Good evening and welcome to the Replenish Me show. Happy February. For those of you who don't know, it is World Hijab Day. And World Hijab Day is something that started back in, I believe it was like 2014. It's, it's been about seven or eight years. And so this is a day where uh, women, whether or not they are actually Muslim, they can wear hijab with their sistren. And um, today we are starting a new topic in the month of February, which is about the power play of love. And I have my beautiful um, friend, Brandy Junius, who's joining us tonight. And we'll jump right into the topic after I play the intro. I'm doing things a little bit different. So we'll be right back and begin the show. I'm your host, Cordelia Gaffar, the emotions opener. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. Do you remember when you were a young girl, joyful, playful, and carefree? Even into your young adulthood, you were very confident and showed up very present and powerful. Yet somehow, when your role changed, you gave up your power to the powers that be. Join me on an exploration of how the inward shows up in our collective consciousness. Are you taking the time to replenish yourself, body, mind, and soul? Are you enjoying the beauty of the full human experience? Are you free? Let's see. Good evening. And we are here today to talk about the power play of love. Um, when I was thinking about who I would have on for this, um, I wanted to consider women who are multidimensional geniuses like Brandy, because she is not only uh, a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert, but she's also a, an art therapist. No, she she does. Look, you you t you explain to us. She does amazing things with art, and um, and it actually is born out of her own personal situation. Um, from her relationship. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Cordelia. I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. Um, and you are correct. Yeah, I do art therapy. Um, I'm an artist and I also like lead therapeutic art sessions. And of course it did come as um, a byproduct of my own healing journey um, coming out of a difficult relationship. So yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed that you're recently starting to play the harp as well. <laughs> I am. I just got one. Um, I play a lot of different instruments. Um, I was primarily trained on piano. I'm also pretty good at the guitar. And coincidentally, the harp for me has seemed to be some sort of mesh between my understanding of piano and guitar. So it, it feels pretty natural. Is it considered a percussion instrument? Um, I'm not sure if it's considered percussion or strings. I guess it depends on like what role you have the harp playing in a in a piece. It could be percussion and play like rhythms, um, but I think it might just be considered strings. And I'm wondering, have you used the music at all as part of your healing journey? Yeah, absolutely. I've always used music in that way of just kind of like expressing and almost like a self-soothing mechanism. Um, but definitely in the last couple of years since, you know, I got out of the difficult relationship that I was in that we're talking about here, um, I've been picking up different instruments and just seeing how they feel in my spirit, like just playing and expressing through them. You know, each instrument has its own way that it communicates sound and melody and all of those things. So, you know, just that's also part of my healing journey, just exploring different ways to express and create. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. I don't want to, I would like to, you know, approach this uh, conversation from the perspective of many people are living in dysfunctional relationships and sometimes it catches us off guard and we keep doing what we've been conditioned to do and that's to make things work. And 
even when we realize that there's something really, really off, like for you, at what point did you realize that there was something not right in your relationship? Yeah, I think it was kind of like a coming to a realization gradually. Um, I'll start off by saying there was a large period of time in my relationship where I was like both going to school from home and working from home. So I was extremely isolated. And, you know, one of the traits of abusers is that they intentionally also isolate you from friends and family. So that was happening. So I say that to say there was a lot of um, there was a lot of time where I just didn't have perspective to my own situation and experience because it was just, you know, I had three small kids and just getting through the day to day, trying to meet goals for, you know, finishing school and working and just trying to, to carry everything that you don't see the forest for the trees. It's just like everything just seems like it's its own situation. You don't really see it as like this composite of awful, terrible things that are happening consistently. It wasn't just that one time that we were all really stressed out and that's, you know, how he lashed out or whatever, you know, and then as time goes on, you kind of realize a pattern. But I think for me, the biggest like moment was once I started working outside of the home and talking to friends about like, oh, this situation happened or he said this or he said that. And they were kind of like, girl, what? Like, <laughs> you know, that's not normal. <laughs> What are you talking? What? Why would you deal with that? Like you, he can't talk to you like that. He can't say that he can't do those things. And then just that perspective kind of allowed me to like step back and like, oh, that is like once I started making excuses, I was like, ooh, why am I excusing this? Why? Why am I? And then that's when it kind of clicked for me. Like this isn't right. This isn't normal. Um, and and more than it not being right or normal, like you you don't have to deal with this. Um, it's not, you don't get an award for like being the person who's stuck in there the longest, um, and, and put up with the most trauma, you know, in the name of being a good mom and, you know, being a family person and all of those things. I think that was kind of when it clicked. Yeah. And, um, it looks like we have a couple of people here live. Nick is, he just released a relationship because we were both playing an unhealthy dance. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing, right? There's that nuance. There is the, it feels unhealthy. And then there's the, when you share it, you know, the shock value and, and when your friends are reflecting back to you, right? And um, aloha, Felicia. <laughs> and in some cases, even when, when you heard what they had to say, like, did it click for you immediately or were you still like, mm, maybe that's a little off, like what was going on for you? It, it was, I mean, there were several points in time prior to that where like I obviously had this urge to escape the situation. I knew it didn't feel good. I knew it wasn't a happy situation. Um, so when they said it and used words, because, and, and this is the part that's interesting, right? Because I work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, when we start talking about it in terms of like, when he talks to you like that, like those are sexist comments that he's making towards you. Like he has a very misogynistic point of view about what you should be doing and all these things and like how he's controlling you is, you know, him exerting this type of power of you. Like very intellectually, it made sense. I was like, hey, we talk about this stuff all the time, but like, I just didn't, you know, like apply it to myself in that way. So yeah, like as soon as certain language was being used and certain patterns were being brought up, the intellectual side of me was able to kind of overtake the emotional side that's like, but my kids and my family, and it's not that big a deal. And it was just those couple of times and it hasn't been a while. And, you know, like all of the, the rationalization you try to do to feel like it's not that bad, but yeah, like it clicked like, oh, okay. And then you start reading statistics and you're like, it's something like one in every three or one in every four women have been, um, you know, in domestic violence situations, whether it's, you know, one time or ongoing situations. And then you realize that this isn't an anomaly, right? Like there's patterns, there's ways you can clearly, you know, and so I'm looking at the checklist and I'm going, oh yeah, oh no, this is, this is definitely what this is. You know, there wasn't too much argument, arguing with myself at that point. Yeah. And even still, like, how long did it take you to take steps? I mean, it's a lot of planning, right? 
Um, and, and I guess on some level, there's also the emotional um, piece. For, you know, for me, I guess it was a couple episodes ago, I was uh, discussing about disentangling, right? And for me, the disentangling began during the, <laughs> the closing of my gap of cognitive dissidence, right? Because it was just like you said, it's like, wait a minute, I talk about this <laughs> in my lectures. <laughs> I actually know what's going on, you know? Um, <clears throat> and then it's just like, okay, but on a practical level, how do I like move out of that? So what happened? Yeah, I mean, it, it took a while just because, you, well, and, and first we weren't married, so I guess that part wasn't uh, a, a, a barrier or a hurdle to overcome there, but we do have three kids. And, you know, um, so there was figuring out, you know, based on my income, like childcare and what could I afford? He did a lot um, emotionally and mentally to make me think that I couldn't do it on my own um, and to make me feel like, I needed him, even though in reality, there wasn't really anything I was relying on him for. But so that was like part of his power move, right? To, and, and he would verbally say, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, okay. This is a good point that you're bringing up. Let's talk about that because I think this is the piece that we often miss, right? So it's the, the years of, um, what is that called? I, I say power play, like mm -hmm. mental power play of convincing you that you're not capable without him. So right. let's let's talk a little bit more about like what was going on for you. I guess more on a that was also on an intellectual and a mental level. It's not really emotional. I mean, that was my experience of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely manipulation, and it was de there was definitely a lot of gaslighting, um, where you know he would present a situation as if he was the one that was doing X, Y, and Z, and I'm like. I'm the one doing this. I'm the one paying for that. I'm the one managing this. I'm the one, you know, doing these household chores and tasks and whatever. Why is it that you're saying that? And it would be just the gaslighting. Well, I'm doing all this stuff that you don't see while you're at work. Well, tell me, like, list it. I'm looking around. I don't see things having been done. Right. Like, but it was, you know, and the way that they exert power is that when they, uh, they gaslight or they, you know, try to manipulate you, if you object to it, then you're met with the aggression, the violence, the verbal abuse, like, and so it then becomes psychologically easier to just be like, okay, you're right. You do do all those things. I don't want to have any more drama. I don't want to fight, you know? Okay. And then like your brain does this thing where it's like, well, I guess if that's what you're accepting, then that must be the truth. Hmm. And it's like, no, that's not the truth. That's your like, defense mechanism or your like your protection mechanism to like avoid more abuse to avoid more trauma you just go with whatever they say so there's no problem um, but then your brain is trying to reconcile that against reality and it's more beneficial to accept that right because that keeps you safe from the danger of the abuser and so then like your brain actually starts believing the manipulation like well maybe i can't um, take care of these things without this person. Or maybe, you know, my family really won't be there for me if I need them and I'll be out here all alone with these kids and, you know, whatever narrative that they're creating to make you really feel like it's better to stay with them in that awful situation than to try to, it, like, even just try to be out there by yourself, right? Um, so that, yeah, that's definitely a power play that, that um, hinges on manipulation. Okay, so like I'm, um, and I'm also hearing like you're convincing yourself to accept um, the words that he's saying as reality, and that causes you to be someone else who who's who's working towards safety, and that's the story that that you have that. I'm going to uh, be this way so that I can keep myself safe. So is, I, I guess my question is, I'm curious for you, was it kind of like you, when you came home, you took off your, you know, I'm a, I'm a world, you know, expert and genius. And you just put on this whole different persona of I'm the okie doke person. 
Did you yeah. feel like that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, you know, and as I developed my um, my skill set and knowledge base in diversity, equity, and inclusion, it became really, really obvious, especially with like the sexism and the misogyny. And I'm just like, and then I start thinking about my daughter, like I can't have my daughter growing up feeling like this is okay. So then there were other parts that were like knocking at the door, like, hey, you can't just accept this and this just can't persist. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, you, you put down the intellectual logical side and you pick up the armor and the defense mechanisms that you've developed to keep you safe, even though emotionally and internally, you know, you're betraying yourself hmm. and accepting those false truths about your situation or capabilities, you know, and a lot of times the abusers know that they know you're going to be a hundred times better off without them. They don't, they feel threatened by that. They're, they, they're counting on you to believe like the, the madness that they're saying, they don't actually believe that about you. They just mm -hmm. want you to believe that about you. Wow. Um, wow. Like, yeah. They, they want you to believe something. And even within yourself, you're not really believing it. You're kind of going through the motions, which causes a different... So there's there becomes two more layers of abuse underneath what you're already ex accepting because you're giving up your intellectual power and your emotional power. So that causes the muscle and neurological changes in your physiology. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and then when you get to the healing part of it, then you have to also acknowledge those layers to the healing too, right? Because even though it's been years for me since I've been in that situation, sometimes my internal dialogue remembers those false truths that I told myself to believe about my myself, right? And so then I'm questioning my capability in areas that I know I'm capable in. And I'm like, where did that voice come from? Where is that undermining coming from? Like, people literally pay me a lot of money to do this. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> they wouldn't hire me to do these things. And it's it's the residual effects of those things that you knew weren't true that you chose to believe to protect yourself, right? And so the healing requires the unpacking of those layers as well. Yeah. And that's what I love about what you do. That's how you, you pulled into the, the art therapy, you know, um, you, the, you're, you're able to do many things at one time. So like, tell me at what point did you start integrating the art therapy as a, as a healing for you? I'm sorry, my screen froze just for a couple of seconds. Yeah, in the I saw that. Um, so can you repeat it? You said, tell me, um, and then. At what <laughs> point you, uh, <laughs> you um, started working, you know, with art therapy just for yourself. Yeah. So actually um, there was like, you know, because we had kids, there was like all the different custody components to, you know, our court case and there were layers of the restraining order and all these different things. And so initially they were only visiting with their dad for like a couple hours on, on, you know, certain weekends or whatever. And so I wasn't at home by myself for, for very long. Um, but once he had the visitation um, that allowed him to have overnight visits on the weekend, that was really, really hard for me. And so I'll say this little piece without going down this road too much. Throughout the whole process, he was still like doing things intentionally to try to like harass and intimidate me, especially like when I was pursuing my restraining order. So I was very concerned about like the things that he would do when the kids were with him. Um, I won't go too much into that aspect, but like it wasn't just I have to get used to my kids being gone in a way and having to spend time with their dad. And, you know, usually I have my kids the whole time and whatever. Um, there were like layers of concern. So I was a mess when they would have to have to go with their dad for their visit. And so I literally just started painting stuff to keep myself busy. I was just like, I need something to do with myself. I need something to do with like distract my mind. So these thoughts don't just keep, you know, stirring around. Um, and I was always kind of like good at art and like into art just generally, but I never really saw myself as an artist or like I never really took time. But because 
of the way that it requires focus, I found that being really, really therapeutic, that I could get lost for hours just focusing on making something really beautiful and making something look right and not have to be overwhelmed by, you know, my trauma, worrying about the kids and what they have going on, all the things, right? Um, and so, yeah, there was there was a couple of, and he had them like one week in a month. So this was like over a period of time. But, you know, so then it was like after a couple of times that that happened, I was like, I actually put the pattern together. I was like, hey, this is actually really therapeutic. And so then um, it kind of built built on itself from there. But that was, I, I was literally just using it to distract myself from my own thoughts and, and everything else. And I love that. You know, this is the thing. There's so many different ways that we can um, we can restructure our muscle um, memory and our neurological systems. And art therapy is one of the ways, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things we can do. Um, and, and I see in the comments, someone said something about whether or not you went to counseling. And counseling is great, right? The, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying not to do that. And anyone that's actually been to a therapist will know that the therapist will encourage you to have things for self-nurturing specifically, um, as well as self-care. And people lump those two things together. And, mm -hmm. I, and I strongly feel like your choice to distract yourself with the art was mm -hmm. definitely a self-nurturing piece. And um, so very important. So now um, let's just take a real quick break and then we'll get more into what you're doing with the art therapy and how um, you are, you know, now pouring into your joy and your purpose and healing. We'll be right back. Join me. Join me. about moving into your joy, you know, embody that joy monger. Come on, get into your joy and join the Replenish Me experience. So we're back. Thank you so much. You know, for those of you who are joining the conversation, we've been talking about um, the power play of love. And when people have been in uh, situations of domestic violence and how they come on the other side of that with healing. And for Brandy, it resulted in an art therapy uh, business. So tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So once I kind of realized that art was acting as a therapeutic um, like medium for me, just the, the natural way my brain works, I wanted to understand like what psychologically what was happening there, like how was it doing that or, you know, what components and, and that sort of thing. And I have a background in psychology, my bachelor's degree is in psychology. So I do naturally have an inquisitive mind around like just understanding how our brains rewire and, and, you know, wire themselves around trauma and all these different things. And so um, you know, as I was doing research on it, I was able to realize, you know, all the different ways that um, it, it facilitated healing and just like that, uh, tapping into deeper emotions that maybe it's difficult to explore with language, um, but you can explore differently with color and texture and shading and shapes and all of these different things. Um, and so um, I really wanted to learn some different and like directed methods. So I found an art therapy course to take. And then, you know, after doing that, I was like, oh, okay, I would like to actually do this for other people because kind of like concurrently I was showing folks my art and, you know, I was getting, you know, back into it. So it was looking good. And I was, you know, sharing it with my friends and they're like, make a, make a website, make, put it on Instagram and all these things. So they're like also encouraging me. And I'm just like, Hey, I just do this as therapy. And so people are like, well, how, what do you mean you do this therapy? I want to do this therapy. And I'm like, oh, all right. Um, and so, you know, get my art therapy um, 
my certification is as a therapeutic art life coach. So um, the components are life coaching through art therapy. I'm not a therapist. I am a life coach who uses, you know, art therapy as a medium uh, to help folks out with um, different components of their life, be it trauma from, you know, domestic violence or just, you know, all of us struggling to get through life, which can be a lot regardless, right? It can. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did that. And then um, I started, people were hiring me to just do, you know, small little sessions with small groups. And it was something that I really fell in love with, honestly, because I realized that it gave a purpose to what I went through. Um, not that I'm trying to romanticize it because there's no romanticizing abuse and trauma. There's no like, oh, I got to go through this so I can help other people. Like, it's not cute. Um, but... <laughs> But, you know, I, I want to talk about that for a split second. It's not cute. And the fact that you nurtured yourself in this way, you can be grateful for that experience, you know, and I know like people look at me like I've got three heads and I'm like, yeah, you know, my 20 year marriage ended and I'm grateful for that. I really needed that experience. And they're just like, what are you saying right now? So, I mean, that's the way I'm hearing you. Yeah, it's the same. I, 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 it's the same thing, right? Because I'm very grateful. I'm grateful that I'm a strong enough person to where I was able to go through it and get out of it. And I had the support and I had the love from friends and family to like get out of that situation and come out better on the other side of it. I wasn't um, destroyed by it. Um, in the way that I've heard other people and I've heard people go because I work with survivors across lots of different contexts and I've heard people like have so much worse experiences than me. And I'm just like the fact that you're here. Um, but but I am grateful that I was able to get what I was able to get out of it um, because it allowed me to develop a skill set that I can use to help other people who may not have like gone down the same path and in, in getting there, but I'm able to just, you know, give them a tool that can be useful. And I do um, once a month, I do free therapeutic art classes just for the community um, because I feel like this type of healing should be free and accessible, like just period. Like, and I'm not saying that I'm the best person for like, you know, at it or that I'm the top professional, but you know, from my heart, like, I feel like it's my love offering to the community. Um, because again, we're all going through things. And so, yeah, it, it does, you know, give me something to do and make a purpose out of the experience that I went through and kind of what I learned. And I've, it's been really amazing to watch other people for whatever they've gone through and whatever they use it for really just be able to um, find value in it. And it's something that they may not have ever even explored in their healing journey. So that, I mean, I'm so grateful to be able to share That's, I mean, I'm truly grateful for that. Oh, I think you're muted. Sorry. I love that you're offering it as a love offering. Yeah. Cause I like to talk on mute sometimes. <laughs> That's not just a zoom thing. I'll just go. I can just do it everywhere. Um, you know, that that's so important to to give back to community um, and that you're doing it as a love offering as well as um, doing it as a business, you know, as as well as right. Always when you're offering transformation to others, you're being transformed. So. Um, oh, and I, I wanted to mention we were supposed to have another guest tonight. Cordelia Spence, and I would like everyone speaking of healing to send her prayers and loving healing vibrations um, because she actually tested positive for COVID. So that's why she's not with us tonight. Felicia, one of my co-authors with um, Begin With The Breath, we have an event right after this, actually at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Um, I'm totally envisioning one of your first pieces as a woman who was throwing paint brushes with a variety of colors onto the canvas. You know, you should check her out on um, Instagram. That's actually how we met. We met, um, we were on, what was the name of it? It's the Freedom Tribe show, right? We were mm -hmm. both commenting and um, I think, uh, what's his name? Michael had me in the stream. And, um, and then after that we connected. So, um, he is the artist also known as everywhere. And that, that's how, that's how we connected. You're like a personal friend of his, I think. So, yeah, yeah we're friends. So, yeah. Um, 
And I've, I've always tried to um, not be limited in the way I express through art. So some of my pieces, you can look at them and tell there's pain in it, right? And some of the pieces you can look at and, and tell there's liberation in it and healing and stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah, your, your pieces are very moving. And um, you. you, okay, so she actually offers them via Zoom and in person, right? Are you still doing them in Zoom or is it only in person? It's just in Zoom for right now. Um, I haven't done them in, I, I haven't done one in person in a while. Um, but yeah, I do. Um, like I said, I people, you know, I have a business and, and I'm hired to come in and do it usually for group settings. I do it for kids, um, like high school age kids and different organizations. But then I do just the one free class a month as well. Okay, good, good. So um, in this case, would you say that for you, the power play of love was you tuning back into loving yourself and re regaining your power? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting um, the way that the pendulum swings because I was in such a dark and negative place for such a long time that when the pendulum kind of swing swung back in the direction of self-love, I was like, it was almost scary a little bit right? Because it was, you know, it was a lot of permission giving. I'm giving myself permission to like even care about myself and not be in the self-sacrificing mentality all the time. And, you know, giving myself permission to love myself and not feeling bad for taking time to do things that nurture me like art. And I'm not a bad mom if, you know, I'm painting and not like in my kid's face 24-7 or, or whatever, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think reclaiming my power through loving and nurturing myself and giving myself permission to like know that that's okay that like and then also like establishing so I'll also say sorry that was a 17 year relationship I got with him when I was 16 years old that was like the person I was dating in high school literally um so I never knew an adult relationship outside of that and I never knew myself as an adult outside of that relationship so a lot of that time was also reestablishing for myself who I was. What are my routines outside of being the person that this person needs me to be every single day from the time I wake up till the time I go to sleep and even in my sleep sometimes, you know, like yeah. I'm supposed to do those things in my sleep, but you're expecting them, <laughs> um, you know, and so like a lot of it was even just saying like, who am I? Like, what are my nurturing routines? What are my self-love and self-care routines? Like what like I can choose what I pour my time into. And and it was, like I said, it was kind of overwhelming at first because I'm, I'm like living by myself as an adult for the first time. I mean, with my kids, but no other adults and just right. like all these other things and, and trying to know that I can do it by myself. And I know like reestablishing trust that I know how to make good decisions and safe decisions and all of these things. So it was such a power move to be able to say, no, this is who I am. This is how I'm going to live, live my life. This is how I'm going to nurture myself unapologetically. And I'm not going to let anyone else come in and take this away from me. I'm not going to abandon myself like that again. Mm, so good. So good. <laughs> and I'm just curious, like, what did that feel like? I, I know, like, well, I, I don't know. But my experience of it is as I'm falling in love with myself, I'm just like, oh, I didn't even know I was that, you know. What, what was the thing for you? You didn't know you were so what? Um, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess I didn't know that, um, I didn't feel like I was a loving person at that time, not oh, because wow. I wasn't being loving, but because just, I didn't feel connected to love at all. Mm. Um, not within myself, not externally. I mean, obviously you love your kids, you love your parents, you love people, you love spaghetti, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we love food. <laughs> like, you know, but, but like I didn't, because there was such a wound around love, I didn't even go near that mm. place. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to connect to that place because there were so many layers of thorns I'd have to clear out first. Right. And like so much to to heal and unpack before I can even settle into that space comfortably. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was hard. But once once I got into that space, I was like, I didn't know I could be so loving 
I mean, from the way that I am with my kids to the way that I am with my friends and my family, the way that I am with my plants, the way that I am with art. And just like, I, I mean, I just want to be in a space where I can feel love, right? And so yeah. um, whatever it is that you're looking to have in your life, you just become that. And then you have it in abundance, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, if I was looking to have love in my life, then I just needed to be love. I just yeah. needed to be that that thing that I needed for myself. Um, and I didn't know I had the capacity to do that to that extent. And I'm still growing, right? Like I still, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm, but I think that was something that I like even surprised myself and that others perceived me that way the whole time, because the whole, yeah. I felt like I was just this like storm cloud walking around and that that's how everyone always perceived me because that's how I felt. And they're like, no, mm. girl, we've known you were great, you know, and loving this whole time, but I'm like, welcome to this knowledge now, I guess. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah. And, and so now that you have welcomed yourself to that and that being of love, um, how does that feel in your body? How does it feel different? Um, it just feels more calm and more relaxed. I mean, for those that have never been in, in um, unhealthy relationships or unhealthy situations, you are always carrying tension. You are always carrying anxiety. You're always walking on eggshells. You're terrified that you're going to say the wrong thing and it's going to trigger this, or you're going to do the wrong thing. You know, you're going to put something back on the wrong shelf in the refrigerator and it's going to start a whole fight, you know? You couldn't find something in the grocery store and now it's a whole thing, right? And so you're constantly living on edge. You're constantly living on eggshells. Um, so to be in that space in my body feels like calm. It feels like peace. It feels like warmth. It feels like the opposite of being on eggshells 24-7. It feels um, autonomous. It feels like I'm going to wake up in my day and be the director of my day yeah, and, and not be a product of what somebody else is upset about or, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how it feels. Wow. Yeah. And it looks like Natalie, she's sharing, it's taken me 13 years to find myself and get over the guilt of putting myself first. I am love because I allowed myself the time to love the woman I am. And it, it sounds like, you know, that, that was you as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as women, too, we're socialized to feel like whoever sacrifices themselves the most is like the person who's the best wife and the best mother and and all of these things. So we really do have to overcome that guilt of like not wanting to continue to martyr ourselves for a relationship that's destroying us. Right. And then giving ourselves permission to love ourselves back to a healthy place afterwards. So, um <laughs> It's a lot. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, for those who are viewing and listening, you'll hear me laugh or you'll hear her laugh sometimes. And, it, and it's just um, we're not laughing at the situation or anyone who may currently be in that situation. It's just the ridiculousness of remembering that version of ourselves that we're laughing about. I mean, it is for me. I'm totally... Uh, just thinking, yeah, that's right. I, I perceived myself as loving towards the people in my life and, you know, just stealing a little bit for me sometimes. And now to, to openly be in love with myself, you know, it's just like, this is so like fluid. I, I don't know why I gave up that power you know, for that period of time. And then that's when the self-forgiveness comes and it's like, that was necessary so that you can be who you are today. And, and that's where the gratitude comes in. So yes, you're right, Nick, as men too, we get to have room for that too. And, um, you know, and I like that Nick is mentioning that because so often, um, men are not part of the self-love conversation, but I'm going to have a whole bunch of men on this month and we're going to be talking about that too. So, um, oh, wait, I did that twice. <laughs> yeah, Natalie agrees it's laughable. So, and sometimes laughing is the only way to forgive ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that that laughter does, it, it releases, right? The energy in the body, because like you said, 
that that muscle memory and that neurological memory is it's there and as much as every moment of our life that we've been out of the relationship you know or marriage and we're working towards our healing there is residue you know yeah absolutely and there's such a power in naming things and then like releasing the the seriousness of it through that laughter like oh that thing you just said i did experience that i'm acknowledging that i'm i'm creating space to let go of that through the laughter right like each each piece of it is a, a piece of healing and um healing is such an interesting journey because you want to be done with it all at once. You're just like, I just want to let it go. I want to feel any of these emotions. I don't want to feel this pain. I don't want to have these memories. I mean, I used to have really, really bad PTSD nightmares. Um, and so I didn't want to sleep, but I didn't want to be awake, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so, I mean, you just want to get through it. You just want to have a night where you don't have a nightmare, right? You just want to have a day where a song doesn't come on that triggers you or, you know, your kid makes a face that looks like them or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, the healing comes in pieces. And so sometimes it's in those little bits of just hearing someone else's story and going, Oh, that was not just me. Like, that's a thing. And it's so, and like, we know it and we can acknowledge it and let it go and like, let ourselves heal from it. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. so powerful. It is. And, and, you know, that's the grace. So I, I love, you know, talking about uh, domestic violence in this way because it's healing, right? There's a, there's enough heavy conversations about it and let's change the collective consciousness surrounding it. Right. Because everyone is, is not, um, they are not crushed by that experience you know, in fact, it's to the elevation of many. And um, I've met so many beautiful and beautiful. When I say beautiful, I mean, like their souls just shine like yours, you know. Oh, thank you. And of course, you're physically beautiful, too. What a bonus. <laughs> you know? You're so sweet. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. Yeah, it's it's so true you know, so many beautiful souls emerge from that and, and you're giving back, um, through love, um, through your community. So, yeah. And, and, but that's not to diminish, you know, the process and, and it's not even to say that it doesn't keep happening. Um, she says, I'm, I've been having nightmares again. I'm like, what's that? Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's like, when you think that you've gotten past it, you're right. Maybe like a, a look on your child's face, you know, it's like looks just like him or her, you know, or, you know, you you are somewhere and someone says something, right? Or maybe you have to, there's some residual legal process stuff that you're going through and you're just like, oh my God, not this again. And okay. it just sends you right back there, you know, and that's when it's beautiful to know people like you. Um, can I ask you to, do you have any pieces that you can share? Cause I think someone asked earlier, I mean, yeah. Okay. Um, let me, let me pull them up first. And then I guess, um, you can tell me how I can share my screen. Yeah. Or where so I can there's a them. button down here that says share screen. Do you see it? Yeah, I do. Okay. Let me pull some up on my website. And see, so when, for those of you who are viewing and listening, especially the ones who are viewing, you know, you may have been expecting a different conversation, but now this part of it will be the art gallery. <laughs> so. Exactly. And now in the comments, were they specifically wanting certain kind of art? Because I have a ton. So I want to make sure that I'm showing what they're specifically looking for, or I can just show some of the like more. Um, no, she just said, can you show one now? Okay. Yeah. Um, what I'll, what I'll share now, let me see, um, share, share screen. Okay. Sorry. I'm just talking. <laughs> so I'm going That's okay. I was just, I was thinking, do I have to, oh, I do have to put it in the stream. How cool is this? This is my first time doing this. So oh, awesome. I have, a, <laughs> I have a billion tabs. So let's do, 
let's do this. So all my tabs aren't up. Um, but what I'm showing here at the top is my shadow work series. And this was something that I really explored kind of like in this last phase of my healing journey of just understanding uh, that like sometimes you can get out of a situation and still have your own shadows that you have to deal with layered with the shadows of the trauma. And so um, I also write poetry. I did a lot of poetry around shadow work at this time, but I did a black and white series where you can kind of see different layers of pain uh, of folks going through things. And then this last one here, the woman with the the half face and the earring. Um, I did this as a light worker. And that was kind of me trying to bring it full circle that like at the end of the darkness is always light and to kind of bring that healing through. Um, I'll also show, there's a couple that I think are really cool um, that I did like when I was deep in healing. <laughs> um, like this one, for example. Um, It's just loading. Your voice is your freedom. Um, you know, and there was a point in time where I had to go to trial for my for my restraining order. And so having to retell the trauma, having to retell those stories. And like the the system is messed up. Like it, it's so traumatic. Like they treat you like you're a number. You have to tell the story to your attorney a billion times so they can make sure that, you know, you're saying the same things consistently and you're coming off as what credible or whatever to the judge. And, you know, you're having to write the story in paperwork just to submit. And, you know, you're going to therapy and your therapist wants to hear the story. And it's so hard just to get it out those first few times. But afterwards, your voice really does become your freedom because your silence is what allows the the abuse to persist or the, you know, the trauma to persist. Um, so yeah, you have to use your voice. Thank you so much um, for the comment there. And this is another one. Thank you, Natalie. Um, so th this is some of the work that I was really, you know, doing like to help get through some of that healing phase. And um, obviously this one uh, this woman here feels very shattered. And I actually um, did this working with another um, artivist who does a lot of trauma-informed practices and works with survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault and, and all of that, too. So this was a, a piece that I did um, for a project I was working with another, another friend, another uh, person who does this work as well. Yeah, I love this. Thank you, Susan. So stressful for you. I'm sorry you experienced I appreciate that, Susan. Um, I'm going to stop sharing. Is that okay, Cordelia? No, that's totally fine. I, I I just wanted to have an opportunity for everyone to enjoy your beautiful artwork. And, you know, I tagged you on um, LinkedIn. So if you can put your Instagram link there so everyone can follow you, sure. um, that would be great. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. Having to go through the systems was terribly traumatic for me. However, the last time I went to court, I represented myself. I love your art. I can feel the emotions. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things I would like to do with the show, I'd like one of the outcomes to be um, that the collective consciousness surrounding the legal system when it comes to dissolving uh, relationships or, you know, things in family court that, that I feel like the laws really need to change. Um, I feel like these laws had to have been written like 250 years ago, like, like at the minimum, because just, you know, it's, it was like another unexpected layer. And I'm so grateful that I waited, you know, the extra time that I was, you know, I was guilting myself for that. I'm like, gosh, that's like extra years. But if I had started the process when I wanted to, I probably wouldn't have completed the process. Cause there, you know, you have to be a certain person just to go through the legal part of getting out of domestic violence situation. So, um, so for those of you who are listening or you know a friend who may still be in it, just know that he or she needs to go through the process um, and just be a stand for them with your love. And that's 
the biggest power play you can have in the most compassionate, forgiving way and just give them space, give them grace and love them. And if you have the power, do what you can to support them legally, because that is an unexpected situation. And that was that was such a huge deal for me. I had two friends. Um, they're still my friends. I have them. And I didn't have them in past tense. I have them currently. But there were two <laughs> friends at that time that really they they carried that for me. They did that work for me. And I don't think I would have been able to do it without them, you know, from connecting me to resources like Peace Over Violence, which is an organization out here that helps um, with people getting out of domestic violence situations. Um, one of my friends was able to connect me with an attorney that would take my case for free because um, I couldn't afford, <laughs> I couldn't afford that, you know? And um, yeah, just having someone there like holding my hand while I was on the phone with these organizations or calling around trying to figure out what attorney can help me with my paperwork, like just having someone there do you want me to make the phone call for you? I'll here, I give me the list. I'll make the phone calls for you. I'll give you the one that's going to do what you need them to do. You know, just being that that person there because when you already don't know the process, you already don't know, you know, most people don't do this regularly. Like if it's not your job, you know, to to be in the court system or, you know, be somewhere in this process, you have no clue. So, you know, for a lot of us, it's just too overwhelming. It's too overwhelming to have to figure it all out and then submit all the paperwork and pay all the fees or do whatever, like, the processes are in addition to, like, trying to make sure that the person doesn't find out that you're doing these things, um, you know, and, and coming up with your plan to get out of the situation or whatever. Um, it's really important to have those friends and, you know, to, to have those friends and family members support you. So if you can be that person, you know, definitely be that person. Yeah, it looks like Natalie is that person um, to be a supportive voice for women and men surviving domestic abuse. A lot of men and women are experiencing trauma. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, the court system is, yeah, not great. So, but that's okay because we're all going to change that together. So I thank you so much, Brandy, for joining us tonight on the Free to Be Show. Um, normally I would say, what is your one word uh, to you know encapsulate this episode? I'm guessing what it is. I'll allow you to share all the same. <laughs> um, my one word to encapsulate this show, I mean, honestly, well, I guess that's not one word. I was going to say be free. Um, <laughs> if we hyphenate self-love, it's one word. So we'll do that one. <laughs> yeah, it is. Self-love. Because I was just going to say love simply because I felt like your energy of love. So Absolutely. thank you so much. Um yeah, thank you so much for being here and listening and viewing tonight. And um, be free. Thank you. Thank you. For thank you for joining the conversation. Now, take the time to reflect, introspect, and implement at least one action. Be in your body, be in your soul. Be in your spirit. You know, be free. Until next week.